everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. And it's just a blessing to watch what God does over time. And that can't happen usually in a week or a year or a few years. The Crouches have been here since there was the, let's see, there was the death and the resurrection, and then there was Pentecost. (laughs) And then you guys, shortly after helped, I think, you guys have just been here faithful to this church forever, for so, so many years. And they could probably regale you with more stories of God's goodness in this church, in this city, than almost anybody in this room. Uh, Because why? Because of that faithfulness over time. And I want to share for a few minutes, well, how has God been faithful to us? We planted Thrive Church in September about three years ago. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, now I know even less. But uh, we planted Thrive Church, and uh, I think I, it was just a couple weeks ago, I called Pastor Brian, and I said, why don't you tell me this lead pastoring thing was a lot more work than I thought it was? Just so much stuff that I absolutely hate doing. Um, <laughs> I love pastoring. It's all the stuff that, you know, goes with it. The keep, you know, like people want to know where their money's at. Like, what? Just trust the Lord. <laughs> what's, it, what's it matter? Um, uh, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, all of those things. Uh, and, and so it's been tremendous to see God move. But it's all been in huge leaps of faith. Really, it's... It, we put everything on the line, knowing we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We just know God called. We know what he told us to do, and we jumped out to do it. And terrified ever since. But, but God's shown us how good he is. So here's what's happened just in the last three years. We've seen roughly over 100 salvations. About 100 people have made personal commitments to Christ, saying, yes, I give my life to Jesus for the first time ever. And that's really why we started the church. Uh, just like you, Pastor Brian actually sent us a message a few weeks ago, or me a text a few weeks ago, the postmodern Christian cities in America, and uh, I think Madison is number 11. Chicago is about 20, 27, something like that, in the 20s. So we're, we're right in that middle space, and we, you really see it where we are. You, you have people who are staunchly, um, you know, just believers and, and rooted in it, and people who are far from it, and... It's interesting and awesome to see them worship side by side. What's cool about us is we don't, nobody ever says, hey, we've never done that before. Because we've never done any of this before. We don't know what we're doing. So to watch that person who has been in the faith their whole life next to the person who barely knows who Jesus is, love on God is just unbelievable. And we've seen that happen a bunch of times. We've baptized over 30 people in the last three years. Uh, people who made commitments at Thrive and said, uh, I'm, I'm taking that next step. I want to get baptized. I want to I seal the deal, so to speak. Um, and, and then we've launched a youth ministry. We have small groups. We call them circles. I don't know why, just to be confusing. And uh, we started giving to missions. Um, we're financially ahead, which is amazing. This, just a little side note. So you as a church, um, I move around a lot when I preach. Uh, it's mainly because I have ADHD and uh, and slew of other problems. But so just just hang with me. You'll you'll have your normal people back next week. And if you're like this is terrible, just put it on me, not on them. They they're just Pastor Brian and Debbie are so loving and gracious. Um, 
we're financially ahead. A lot of that has to do with your financial support as a church. Ridgeway stepped up and said, we believe in the vision and the call of God on your life and supported us. My wife started a church with no promise of any income. And to this day, sorry, I get choked up because God's been so good. We've never missed a paycheck. Not one. Which is crazy for a church plan. But not only that, we never borrowed a dime. You don't know this, but most church plants, uh, there's church planting organizations. One's called ARC. Uh, there's one in the Assemblies of God called CMN. And there's many others, Converge. If, if you're in ministry, you kind of are aware of these uh, things. But if you're not, you have no clue. And, and these organizations, what they often do uh, is they do church planting matching funds. So you raise ARC. If you raise $50,000 with ARC, they'll match you $50,000. Now, you got to pay it back. It isn't free, but, 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 but it's there. Well, and you think $100,000, that's a lot of money. But when you're planning a church from nothing, it really isn't. If you look around this room and account for everything that's in this room, the lights, the sound, the carpet, the heat or air conditioning, the chairs, things being cleaned, that money adds up. So really it doesn't go as far as you might think it is. If you built a house, does anybody here think $100,000 is a lot to build a house? No, right? And if you do, you live in Lodi or something. You, live up, you don't live close to Madison, right? You live further north. Um, because, because it's, and, and how good God has been to us even financially, and then um, now we're supporting three different church plants ourselves. Uh, there's three different uh, friends of Thrive, um, two, two of which have come and preached at our church, um, who are planning in the Chicagoland area, uh, in, the, in the city, in Logan Square, another one in the north suburbs, and there's a, a third one. His name is Dave, and he's planning a church in Scotland. Because what we know is over 80%, and this is from Barna Research, over 80% of people who come to Christ do so in a church that's less than 10 years old. Why? I don't know why, but something about that newness and that momentum and new life draws people to want to come home. It's almost as if those who are far from God or far from church or both say, well, they're meeting in a school. I can go to a school. (laughs) They're meeting in a movie theater. I can go to a movie theater. But it's new. And because it's new, people are drawn in. But here's the thing. What we're now doing, we're going into year four. We're almost three years old. And we're shifting now. Like, we're not cool and new and sexy. And some of you are like, I don't think you were ever sexy. Just, I have five kids. My wife does. (laughs) Some of you are probably like, you know, that happens, right? And my response would be, I do. And I'm not willing to give it up. So, should we be taking notes on this? So what happens is we've seen God be faithful. We've seen God come through, but now we're shifting. And we're not like the new kid on the block anymore. Matter of fact, there's a, the town right next to us, there's a guy who's like one year younger than us, and he like rebooted a church. And so we're, I'm watching him in his like second year. He's like, all this is happening. And I'm thinking, I know what that's like. You're going to hit the shore pretty soon, buddy. Enjoy it while it lasts. Now, I'm not saying that to him, but I'm thinking it like, it's fun, isn't it? It'll end. <laughs> because the newness is cool, but it's, it's kind of like, like getting married, right? 
getting married is awesome, and that whole first year is like, they're amazing. Everything they do is amazing. Look at, they just left toilet paper everywhere. Isn't that the cutest thing? <laughs> just their clothes are all over the place. I love them. In year five, you're like, I, I, it's only because of Jesus that I love you. <laughs> I don't know if, I'm, if you're making it to heaven. I really don't. You know, like the, those things shift in our lives, right? The same thing's true with having a kid, right? Poop, when they're uh, two months old, like no big deal. But when they're two and a half, you're like, just sit down. Just, just go, please. I'm asking you, right? Those things shift in our lives, you know, and, and because newness wears off. But the thing is, when newness wears off, that's when real life kicks in. That's when the reality kicks in, and that's when faithfulness and the goodness of God really starts to be being seen. And the reason I want to talk about this today is, one, because God's doing it on my wife and I's life right now. But number two, uh, and I, I don't say this, uh, I say this with total honesty that Pastor Brian and Debbie are this and have been this in our life. They are the examples of faithful. Like if there's, if there's a word that comes to my mind that defines them, that's what it is. Faithful. They are faithful to this church. Besides their, their family, their kids, their marriage, faithful and all that. Never seen any of that waver for as long as I've known them, 20 years. 20 years, man, I feel old. <laughs> but not only that, to this church and this city and to the call of God, faithful. You know, I wonder, don't, and don't say, but I wonder how many times over the years was a more attractive offer came along. A bigger church, somewhere in February, better weather, you know. Everybody here in February wants to move, right? It's just, why have you left us, oh Lord? <laughs> Right? How many times were we blowing the snow off the, off, like, this is almost three city blocks, and about 5.15 a.m., I'm blowing that snow, and I'm like, are you with me, Lord? Are you, you are alive, right? Are you resurrected? Because I'm dead. <laughs> you know, that's how I felt. But faithful, faithful. And that's the season I feel like God is leading my wife into, uh, and I into now. We, you're always called to be faithful as a believer, but eventually in, in your walk with Jesus, you cross like a hump in life, like a, a hill. I just hit 40, and I feel 50. Um, but, but you cross that where it's like, you know, I don't want new anymore. I want effective. So here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 3.14 if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when he first, we first believe, we'll share in everything that belongs to Christ. And I want to be faithful to the finish line. A lot of people are faithful through, like, you know what? If I'm honest, 100 baptisms, are they all, or 100 salvations, are they all on our church? Nope. I'm not going to say they're not serving God or they're, you know, I don't know. I don't know where all their hearts are. Some of them are in our church. Some of them aren't. 30 baptisms. Are they, are they all ablaze for God and at every small group and they're all set up teams? No. No. Because new is easy. But faithful is maturity. 
And that's what I want to happen in my walk with Jesus. We keep trying to go wider, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we t- more isn't better if it doesn't, isn't deeper. You know what's cool? We were here when we broke ground, broke ground for the new part of the building. We were there. We were there at the city hall meeting that night when 30 or 50 of us showed up and they voted us through. And I remember we all stood up and we're like screaming, shouting. That came, though, from originally a basement beneath us where, you, where you're sitting now is above where God started doing what he did here. And then God built this, and then many years of faithfulness eventually made the way for that. Now, this, these are just buildings, but what happens inside that building is the faithfulness of God. And the building, it's just a representation, but it's a representation of how faithful God is to us. And I don't, I don't want to just see his faithfulness. I want to return it. I want to give it back to him. I want to stay faithful to his call all my days. And man, there are days I want to give up. So how do I do it? How do I stay faithful? Well, the same book, Hebrews, kind of spells it out in one short section of Scripture. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let's read it together. You don't have to say it out loud. But let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. So this, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a, a, a Jewish church, early established, but, but, but past the original game, past the... Pentecost days, right? Nobody's, nobody's like shouting in the upper room anymore. They're, God's done the work. It's kind of spread out. People are established. Good things are happening. And then it's brought us now to this moment. And the writer of Hebrews is pastoring this church through a letter and saying, now listen up. Here's how you stay faithful. Here's how you keep going. And what's the first thing he says there? Let's hold tightly. without wavering, to the hope we affirm. When we planted this church, God gave us some promises, and and the promise wasn't, you will have success without any challenges. That's what we want, right? Like, I I just want an unbroken boulevard of green lights. That's what I want. (laughs) You know, just everything's great. I heard of this guy, there's this guy, anybody here heard of Jeremy Foster? He's got a church in Houston right now. His church is four years old and is 10,000 people. I hate him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't hate him. The guy's amazing. But he came from, he came from a giant megachurch in Houston and had 1,000 people in the ministry he was leading. Now, that being said, he's still seen exponential growth. But why? I think he's been faithful before. I've, I've never been to this place before. I've never been the lead. And there are many days where your faith in life is going to begin to shake and be batted and hit on and shaken. If your faith is never shaken in this life, you're a liar. <laughs> like, you, you just, it just will be. 
It just will be. You will struggle with what God is doing. And in those moments, that's what Paul, uh, we don't know if it's Paul, but it's likely it's Paul, but whoever the author of Hebrews is, is saying to the book, hold tightly. When you hit a storm, what do you do? You hold on. You dig in. God gave you and I promises. And some of them are biblical and some of them are specific to our lives. Some of you are waiting on a child and God gave you a promise that it's coming. And you, you're like, I, I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't see it. Hold to the promise. Hold on tightly. Cling. Lean in to the God's goodness when nothing looks like it. It's like the rudder of a ship. The thing is, life is not like A, B, C. Like we just hit those points and that's it. That is not how life is going to be. Not for any of us. But how it is going to be is like a ship at sea. And if you want to move in the directions God called you to, at times you're going to get blown and tossed and pushed off course a little bit. But you hold that rudder in the direction of God's promises all the time. And you will get there. You will see God's goodness, even in the land of the living, as Proverbs says, as Psalm says. What did God tell you he was going to do? What did he promise you? What do you know that he's called you to something? When I was 12 years old, I remember sitting in church, and an evangelist came through, and he points at me. He's like, God is going to use you. There are days when I feel like he's not doing anything through me. I cling to that promise. He's going to do it. He's going to come through. He will provide. He will make a way. I remember when times were lean, Pastor Brian saying to me, what does Proverbs say? I've never seen the righteous beg for bread. We cling to the promises of God. You are faithful. We're not talking about like we're all going to have Lamborghinis and be financially so self-independent. We, we need of nothing. No, that's what we're talking about. We're saying we are fully dependent on God so that we won't fear ever. We will drive fear out of our life. Faithful, here's what I think faithful is when it comes to definition. You can write this down. It won't be on the screen. Faithful is a result of being filled with faith until your faith is fulfilled. You are going to have seasons where you may be filled with faith, but you see nothing. That's being faithful. Until your faith is fulfilled. Believe God until you see God. Believe what he can do for you until you see what he does for you. Not based on things you want. I'm not talking about monetary possessions. I'm talking about his goodness. And you know, and it might be something like a house, but I'm not talking about, yeah, I'm just believing God for my 12 bedrooms. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeing God come through for your life to show his power, his grace, his goodness, and that we can go back and be like, look what he did. And other people are caused to believe because of it. That's what Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews is talking about. Hold tightly to the promises of God. I, I, if I'm honest, I've experienced incredible loss. We have experienced incredible loss, and some of you know what we're talking about. And those moments, if I'm really honest, those moments, man, my, was my faith ever shaken? Of course it was. 
And there's times I based my faith on what I didn't see God do. But God's done a work in me that I'm tired of basing my faith on what I didn't see God do. It's time to base our faith on what we know who God is and what he's going to do. There's, there's some things in this life you're just never going to explain. We'll gain some understanding, but there's some things you just never will hold on to who God is unwaveringly. And that's harder now than ever. Matter of fact, those are the moments. Second Timothy says this. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift of God. God gave you when I laid my hands on for you. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. When you want to waver, fan the flame. When you want to give up on your faith, fan it. We were just in the Dells this week, and we went. Uh, and then the last day, we went to House on the Rock. Anybody, anybody you been to House on the Rock? Anybody recently, since you were 10, right? And they have those big, I think, what is it called? The things you squeeze air out of? Billows? It's not a flu, right? That's flu's in the chimney, isn't it? Billow? That sounds right. Huh? Baffle? Anyway. So you squeeze it and air comes out, right? It's like me. Okay, so you squeeze it, air comes out, and, and it fans enough wind, enough oxygen into a flame that it rises back up. The Bible, God is actually using the word to tell us this. You need to do this. Fan the flame in your life when you want to give up on faith. When life tells you, when circumstances tell you, when everything says, bail on faith, bail on what God's going to do. And some of you aren't going to give up on God. You're just going to give up on the dream. You're just going to give up on what you thought God was going to do. You're just going to give up on, no, this marriage is never going to happen. We'll never break through. We'll never see God's good. We'll never, my kids will never ever break through. Man, don't do it. Fan the flame. Fan the flame in your life. Come back to that and speak the word of God to it till you're through it. And then the second thing he says, what does he say next in that verse in Hebrews 10? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate one another in acts of good worth. And stay steady. Do what you can do. Do what's in your hand. Love those who are with you. Pour into them. Give, give what you got. So God gives you more than you can handle. What do you have? I remember when, when we were first here and, and first came on staff. I wasn't leading master's commission. I was cleaning toilets. I was helping in the daycare. Man, I thank God for those days. Those days shaped me to be a man who could handle something else later. I praise the Lord for the moments where I was like, I remember one day and the daycare staff messed with me and they made me do it too. They're like, hey, this kid threw up in the bathroom. You're gonna have to clean it up. <laughs> and I was like, you're joking, right? And they're like, no. <laughs> and I, sure enough, I did it. Now, I didn't ever volunteer for that. <laughs> None of us have to volunteer for that moment. There were times there's stone in the back, and we were like shoveling stone to like pave the water away from the building. There was a time the convention was coming up, and we had to remove, and me and, and, and Tyrone Hine, till like 10 o'clock at night, were shoveling out mulch and driving it down and, and dumping it. And, and, and I just remember being like, and yet at the same time, 
God was shaping and forming me in this moment, saying, do what you can where you're at, and I'll take you somewhere. Pour in what you, who are you motivating? Who are you pointing to? And written right now, I'm trying to help fan the flame in your life, motivate you. Because if I'm honest, right now, like, is our church blowing up? No. Has God been good and faithful and doing good things? Absolutely. But are we a mega church? No. And I, I don't have aspirations to be. But part of you is like, okay (laughs) because security is nice but God didn't call any one of us to security he called us to faith and at times that faith will feel secure and at times it's going to be shaken and in those moments you hold on and you begin pouring out what you have the best way to get your eyes off your circumstances is to get your eyes on somebody else pour into them love on them John 17, Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also those who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying in the garden. I pray that they'll all be one, just as you and I are one. As you're in me, Father, I'm in you. And they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Right there, there's this example. Jesus prays in the garden, let them be one as we are one, and the world will know. Jesus himself says the unity of the church is how the world is going to come home to God. Us being together on the same page is why they'll want in. It's not, we, we can do our things to dress it up, Nobody wants bad music. You guys have great music, right? Nobody wants, nobody wants bad coffee. You guys have good coffee, right? We'll do those things, but what will really make the world want in on what God has in the church will be how much the church is unified and in love, motivated, loving one another. Put aside everything you can that gets in the way, and a lot of things will get in the way. And the longer you do life together, the more stuff will want to get in the way. Put it aside, motivate, and pour in. In the world, you won't be able to hold them out. And three, he says, let us not neglect meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing. So just so you know, people leaving church have been going on a while. (laughs) People, since Hebrews, right? Since like 2,000 years, people have been like, I'm I'm good. I'm done. I took the membership class. I'm out. I did the small group. I'm cool, and I'm done. A lot of us do that, and it's not new. And even in the Bible times, he's, he's warning, like, no, no, stay in church. I honestly don't know healthy believers who aren't in a local church. I don't know one. You say, well, I know one. I don't. I mean, I know people who, who claim to walk and stuff, but when, when you just look at the fruit of their life, it's like, man, it, ain't add, it just ain't adding up. I mean, I love you. I'm for you, but I don't think you can stay healthy without the family. You just can't. Right? How many 14-year-olds do you know who leave home and you're like, you know, they're just really mentally in a good place? <laughs> just... They have a plan. 
It's structured, a lot of follow through, <laughs> show up to work early. No, they're, they're terrible human beings. We love them, <laughs> but go home. Like that's our response. But it's the same is true if you bail on church. I'm sorry, you're just not going to do well. This is in the Bible. And, get, get, and some of you are like, why do I need you? You don't need to hear us. You're here. You got it. You figured it out. You're, but what I'm saying is stay. When you want to bail, don't. Stay. Plug in. Knit your heart. Because there may be a day, like my wife and I, where God calls you out. And that day should hurt, and it should hurt bad, because that's when you did it right. So all these things, wrapping up. And it says this, do this, especially till his day of his return. The truth is, you don't know. Why stay faithful? Because you don't know when your faith will be fulfilled. What if tomorrow is your breakthrough? What if the day after tomorrow, God heals you? What if in three weeks, bam, you're pregnant? You don't. Why? Why lose faith? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Even if none of it happens and you hold Jesus' hands all the way till you see him face to face, are you really going to regret that? No, because that day your faith will be fulfilled and everything you ever lacked will be gone and you'll have everything. You don't know when breakthrough's coming. You don't know when healing comes. Stay in faith. Stay faithful. Dig in. Hold it together. Hold tightly. Pour into one another. Stay in church and cross the finish line. Why? Bible says, here's why. Matthew 25, 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because one day I want to hear that. I want to hear the words, well done. Do you know, a few months ago, um, we have some friends who, who know Joel Osteen, and they're like, he was coming to Chicago, and he asked us to come see him. And I went, sure, why not? You know, whether you're a fan of his ministry or not, his son did something that night that I, it was profound, and he said, he said, you know, his dad pastored that church for 13 years at 90 people. Now, I mean, it's like 50, 60,000. I mean, it's insane. And whether you love the ministry or not, the faith God has honored the faithful legacy. God honors faithfulness. God's honored the faithfulness here in this family. Generations. What you're seeing now, they didn't see 50 years ago. Stay faithful. True faithfulness over a lifetime will go way past your lifetime. I want to stay there. Pray the same for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.